Today's guest specializes in embezzlement cases, workplace investigations, identity theft, elder abuse, just to name a few. She's, the, she's an author and speaker. She is known as the pink collar crime lady. Our guest found her passion investigating and studying pink collar crime. Her background stems from both public and private practice. She is an international speaker, the author and podcast host of Great Women in Fraud and principal of K Paxton LLC. Her past experience comes loaded as a former special agent for the U.S. Customs Office, investigator for the Washington County Sheriff's Office, and a contract special investigator for the Office of Personnel Management and the Department of Homeland Security before taking the entrepreneurial route. I'd like to welcome Kelly Paxton. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's like such a nice introduction. I really appreciate it. I love your perspective on women in white collar crime. Why don't you take a few minutes to tell our audience your story and how you started working in the financial service industry to becoming a special agent and government investigator and then becoming a successful entrepreneur? It is a really windy road. And you know what? I saw someone on um, LinkedIn the other day who was very strategic. And I will say I have had maybe the luck or the good fortune. I haven't been strategic, but things have worked out. I'm not going to say that's a career path to take, but it all comes down to money and curiosity. And so I originally started out, my dad was a commodities trader, and I originally started out working at the Chicago Board of Trade. I became a stockbroker, um, a commodities trader, a bond trader, and it was all about how people saved and invested. And then we had a client at a boutique investment firm who was pinky. And Uh-oh. this is all public record, so no secrets are being shared here. And I knew something was up. It didn't make sense. But this was back before know your customer, money laundering laws and everything like that, because I'm a little bit older than you. But um, I knew something was up. And one day we got a phone call, sure enough, from a custom special agent. And I kind of giggled. I was young. And uh, she's like, we'll be sending a subpoena down. Well, that was mistake, number one, because we told the client because there was, we had no obligation. She didn't tell us not to say anything. And she should have gone to the headquarters because they would have frozen everything. She got the guy. He went to prison and everything like that. But about a year later, my then boyfriend, now husband's like, you knew that guy was not right. Call her up. And I had saved her phone number. And I called her up and I said, I want to do what you do. And fast forward, it took about nine months to get hired with my background investigation and everything. Um, next thing you know, I'm in, uh, they call it Glencoe, Georgia, Fletzy, the Federal Law Enforcement mm-hmm. Training Center, shooting guns, driving cars. And I had never <laughs> touched a gun in my life before. Like never shot a gun. Um, and I became a special agent. So then I learned how people stole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was money launderers, drug dealers, and it was all about the lifestyle and stealing. Um, fast forward, I came back to where I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and I started working for a sheriff's office. So when I was with customs, I arrested bad guys and, you know, typical money launderers, drug dealers. I was armed 24 seven. I didn't get speeding tickets when I got to go really fast. And, um, but they were typical bad guys. And then I go and I work at the sheriff's office in their fraud team and 
all my clients with the exception of one were female. And the one guy stole like a female. And when I say stole like a female, there are differences between men and women in many things, but there are differences when they steal the reasons, how they do it, how much they do it. Um, So I'm sitting at my little cubicle one day and I put in the magic my dad called it the Ouija board. I call it the Google machine. <laughs> Women embezzlers. And the term pink collar crime came up. Now, the actual definition is low to medium level employees, comma, primarily women, comma, who steal from the workplace. So I'm also known as the hashtag, the fraud hashtag queen. And that's a whole story in and of itself. <laughs> but um, it's position, not gender. But think about over 90% of bookkeepers in the United States are women. Yes. So I'm never picking on women. If anything, I'm picking on society that keeps women in the lower positions. And I mean, okay, so some people say my humor is a little strange because <laughs> it's about fraud, but you are going to remember the crazy stories. So one of my hashtags is um, men steal more or hashtag steal like a man because women <laughs> steal less than men on average. Now, of course, there's always outliers, but women do steal less than men. Money. They steal more often, but they steal less money. That's interesting. So yeah, tell us more about this exciting initiative. What exactly is pink collar crime? So you know what? It's the crime on Main Street. It's not the crime on Wall Street. It is a crime on Main Street. So here I'm sitting at the sheriff's office. You're getting dentists. You're getting charter schools. You're getting homeowners associations who are getting ripped off. The small business engine of America. People don't relate to Enron. They don't relate to Bernie Madoff. They think, I don't have enough money for it to be. I don't need to worry about it. Well, you know what? You do need to be worried about it because we have this thing in our brain that like, you know, psychologists know about optimism bias. We don't think bad things are going to happen to us. We don't think cancer is going to happen to us. We don't think we're going to get in a car accident, but cancer happens to 30% of the population. People get in car accidents. I was in one a week ago. I'm fine. It was not even a mark, but still I didn't drive to Costco thinking I'm going to get in a car accident. Right. You know, bad things can happen to good people. And I'm going to say that Main Street is made up of good business owners, but they're so busy with the big picture, they don't pay attention to the little stuff. So I I want people to under, so you had a bunch of questions and I'm like a nerd. So I like wrote down the answers. And one of the things that I put for, um, what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? And this is a little bit different. My thing is not every criminal looks like a criminal. Mm-hmm. That's true. And yeah, like, I mean, we have this, we have an image of bad guys, but right. you're more likely your dentist, three out of five dentists get ripped off. So the next yes. time you go to your dentist, ask, and um, we're more likely to be affected by a pink collar criminal than blue collar crime. Like we lock our houses Right. We spend tons of money on security. Yet as a business owner, do they actually open their bank statements? Lots of times they don't. And they have checks easily accessible sometimes. And they don't even look at their financials because who wants to look at those, right? 
They run it in their head. Like my thing is, you sell a million widgets. Each Mm -hmm. widget, you know you net $10. So you're like, I've got $10 million in the bank. Exactly. Trust but verify. Oh, this is one of my, I have lots of fraud treasures. This is my friend. (laughs) Trust but verify. And I have a sticker on my computer too. Yeah. That's right. We've run across so many dentists, especially actually, because they do bring in good cash, good flow. Um, However, they're busy being a doctor, right? And they really trust these office managers or bookkeepers, which in my experience are often women. You're right. And, you know, years later, they're wondering where $3 million went. And uh, they're wondering why cash flow is tight. So I, I agree with that. There's, and these are small businesses. It's hard for them to recover. Right. They're not Enron. They're not. These are people who are just trying to provide for their family. So I agree with that. People should, you know, take proper security for their financials. Um, And so what do you think the fraud investigation sphere is still male dominant? And what can women do to change that? Well, (laughs) it's one of my little soapboxes. It actually is in a soapbox. Um, You know, law enforcement has been male dominated. I, I was assessing my career and I've always been in a male dominated field like finance I was just watching the big short the other night and they show clips back from the <laughs> and I'm like yeah that was me in the corner um you have to and I'm gonna like I, I want to say this to help women or young professionals you have to take the initiative to reach out had I not picked up the phone and called she was a woman called her and said, I want to do what you do. My career, I I probably would be more successful financially, but I wanted to do fun stuff. And that's why I said, I haven't been strategic. I've just been able to do stuff that I consider to be really, really interesting. And you know what? I'm going to say like the bulk of my money that I've saved hasn't been from my salary. It's been from like private investments and Mm. real estate. So I've had the pleasure to be able to like do jobs that I just think are kind of interesting. Well, that's so fun. Yeah. It's it to, I started great women in fraud, which is the podcast, which thank you. You said so many nice things about it's because great- I was on a podcast called great women in compliance. I have so many generally younger women who reach out to me and say, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, well, let's, let's slow down here. And, um, <laughs> Uh, I, I just, the first thing is you got to reach out. You absolutely have to reach out. Um, and most people want to help. So my other thing is if you reach out to someone and they don't respond, you know what, maybe you caught them in a bad week, Mm -hmm. put it in your calendar a month later to say, Hey, just wanted to, you know, maybe bring it to the top of your inbox or something like that. People want to help. And you know what? If they don't want to help, you don't want help from them anyway. That's true. (laughs) I started Great Women in Fraud because I want resources. So I've been sharing job postings in my LinkedIn group. Mm. And I just found out two people have gotten jobs. Like, I'm not a recruiter. It's not like I did it to get a fee or something. I post jobs that I think might be interesting for people. And sure enough, I just had a young woman. And had she not told me, I wouldn't have known it was because of my job post, but she's like, you posted a job. I applied for it. I went through four interviews and I'm starting and oh my God, like that is so kind. And it's not a lot of effort. So I want us 
women or just fraud people that love fraud to share because cops don't share. We keep our sources tight. Right. The best stuff that's happened in my life is because people have picked up the phone. They have answered the phone. They have made a connection. I want to push people to share. And it's hard. Yeah. For a long time, I didn't share. New, new, new. I share all the time now. I share too yeah. much. <laughs> that's funny. So for the type of cases that you have worked on, or you still work on, like embezzlement, the elderly abuse, um, what are the challenges in dealing with digital data when it comes to you know, fraud investigation? So I was just having a conversation with a lawyer today who is a, like a, a solo. Okay. Lawyer. And she's taken on a big law firm and they have dumped data on her as part of discovery. They just want to bury her. Like they've given her way too much of everything and they know they have. And she doesn't have an IT department like this big white shoe law firm does. Um, Data can be so helpful. Like when I worked at the sheriff's office in 2008, nine, I used to take bank statements and I would make my own pivot tables like (laughs) manually. Now there were some good things about that because in my brain, as I'm doing Mm -hmm. data entry, things Mm -hmm. are sticking out. Right. But there's too much data now to do that. And there are so many tools to like, you know, pull the needles out of the haystack. Yeah. So you need, so this lawyer, you know, who's an excellent lawyer, very, very good, knows the law, loves the law, bless her heart, boring. Um, (laughs) But she doesn't know how to use technology to help her. So I'm like, you know, you need technology. Yeah. They're she knows what they're trying to do. She knows they're trying to bury her and they, they will put that little smoking gun in, but they're going to put it in a file that she's going to mm-hmm. lose interest and be bored. So use data and the tools. And that this is the other thing. She's like, oh my God, those are so expensive. And I'm like, no. your time is expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, yeah. Your six minute increment is brutally expensive, <laughs> but the prices have gone like this in tech. Yeah. Like something that used to cost, I mean, I did a case, you know, several years ago and we were paying like $2,500 a month for a discovery platform. That same discovery platform is under $400 a month and Mm -hmm. it's way more, has so many more bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, I thought only big firms could afford that. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, I agree to embrace the tech because nowadays there's so much data and like money laundering, embezzlement, people are becoming more sophisticated, right? Oh, yeah. We hear like hundreds of accounts and um, all these people are involved. So to bury someone, I feel like sometimes it is a strategy that they do. Um, oh, yeah. And you're just, you're lost sometimes. And I always ask people, I'm like, what is it like to wake up to know you have to, you know, like you said, manually enter data into Excel, create these pivot tables, and you have a stack, you know, that's bigger than you. And so I think embracing technology and kind of exploring new ways to do it, because people like the way that they're currently doing things. And sometimes new is a little bit um, scary, but um, I think if they kind of explore and see what's out there, you're right. Then things are more affordable, or at least they can, um, you know, value their time and, and their specialty. 
right? She's yeah. an attorney. <laughs> so, yeah, and absolutely. she had no idea that stuff like this was available. She's just like, I don't have an IT person. I'm like, they, they'll walk you through it. Like, yeah. You know, so she was like thrilled, beyond thrilled. Good. So, yeah. If I can um, help a lawyer out, I'll help them out. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what's one thing you want to change about the fraud industry if you had all the resources in the world? Oh my gosh, this is like, I'm going to say this is such an easy answer, but it's not so easy because I would starve <laughs> if I did this. I want people to pay for prevention. Mm-hmm. Like, again, optimism bias. We don't think it's going to happen to us, but it does. And so it's kind of like going for your annual physical. They might catch your heart condition or your high blood pressure or something like that in advance. No Mm -hmm. one wants to do it, but it's so much better and so much less expensive. And there's ways you can stop, you know, disease or whatever it is in advance by prevention. I will go broke if I just tout prevention. People are like, I'll get some young buck who, you know, is... I want to stop it before it starts. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to starve. Yeah. I, mean, I hate to say it, but like no one thinks it will happen to them because right. you know what? We hire people we know, like, and trust. We mm-hmm. don't hire icky people. We hire people we know, like, and trust. And I have this story and maybe you've heard it. I had this guy, master of the universe, uber, uber successful. I grew up with his wife, also very, very successful. He meets me. I'm at their lovely, one of their lovely homes. And he finds out what I do. And he very confidently says, Kelly, I won't ever have to hire you. And I'm like, (laughs) I said, really? And he's like, no. He goes, I pay my people well. I trust them. And I'm an ass and no one would dare steal from me. Fast forward. Guess who calls? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Famous last words. <laughs> $750,000. He's like one of my best, like, you know. Oh my ever. gosh. Yeah. And he's just, he goes, I just, I never thought. And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, never. It thought. happens. Right. People. And it was his most trusted employee. He, oh like, gosh. It was such a, it was so, um, I'm going to say stereotypical. The guy had a gambling habit. And they thought they closed an account, like the business thought it closed an account. Well, it wasn't closed. So he just started sliding money in it and pulling it out. No. Became a fugitive. The FBI caught him. And then press release. And they said it was a very sophisticated scheme. Hashtag, it's not rocket science. It wasn't sophisticated. It was sophisticated because the FBI didn't have the most recent version of Excel and they couldn't open our pivot tables. What? Truly. <laughs> so whenever I, crazy. when I read a press release and it says like, it's very complicated, I do not. <laughs> That's so crazy. I can't believe that. It's yeah. When you think it's not going to happen, it will happen. Unfortunately, right? Yeah. Well, and you know what's really interesting is I'm going to keep it very vague. Um, he was in a service industry, kind of a service industry. Okay. And they would spend money on security, like to make sure that like low level employees wouldn't Don't steal. Take inventory they, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And they would try and catch all these low level employees. And I'm like, you know what? You need to pay attention <laughs> to the high level employees. Cause yeah. 
because they have access too. I mean, yeah. yeah. So they're doing all these crazy, like, oh, we have cameras and we put in fake items and, and I'm like, yeah, that's not where your money should go. No. Your money should no. go here. Oh, I feel like things like cra- these white collar crime, it always somehow leads to some type of gambling. <laughs> oh, well, the guy who does, did, used to do a report and he said one out of four embezzlement cases had a gambling angle. So, I oh my gosh, I have had two family members, like, you know, somewhat close, but like not, yeah, whatever. Um, their lives wrecked due to gambling. Yeah. Yeah. I I have, I've even trained at casinos, um, because they pay, Yeah, they have lots of money because guess what? (laughs) The house always wins. Right. 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 (laughs) Oh man. I always, yeah. It's, there's always some type of gambling online, whatever in these stories. So yeah. Well, they think um, they're going to pay it back. They're like, when I hit a big, I can pay it back. And that's kind of like, I had this one dentist, a million dollars ripped off. His office manager always thought she was going to hit a big. I'm like, what are you going to do when you hit a big? You're going to walk into the dentist and say, here's the million dollars I stole from you. Let me deposit it into the bank. Yeah. It's like, you can't put the, it's really hard to get the money back into a business. Yeah. Yeah. That's so another problem. I, just, I so you mentioned about all, you know, you, there's so much data now. Do you think there's a way to reduce the time that's spent in a fraud investigation? Um, technology, of course. The other thing is the scope. It's really easy to have the scope just grow and grow and grow. Um, and that's something you have to work with. I work with attorneys, even though I bash attorneys. I work with attorneys because of attorney-client privilege. Mm-hmm. Um And I, you know, the attorney hires me and we have to keep the scope a certain way. So you can get that scope creep and that's fine if the client wants the scope creep, Mm -hmm. but it's really easy to go off in all sorts of directions. Um, So uh, technology is your friend. And um, what is the end game? Like you have to know what you want. Because otherwise you're going to get scope creep and every investigator is like squirrel, squirrel, you know, so don't have that. I'm going to say tightened, like what do you need out of it? Because, oh my God, we could just find all sorts of stuff if we want to. And a lot of it is like not pertinent because most of these cases and all of my cases, which I take a lot of pride in, even though I had an attorney berate me for this, um, they don't go to trial. The money's here and it goes to the suspect. And then the suspect confesses and they don't have any money to pay a really good attorney so, and they plead guilty and then they go to jail or prison. Yeah. So like um, the cases don't go to trial. It's very, and I don't like to say black and white, but it's really black and white. Money is here, goes here doesn't go here 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 I think I feel like that takes a lot of experience for um someone like you an investigator to know how to focus and really build a good strategy to close their cases so how do you conduct your investigation what is your way of doing it or thought process I love to recover money but in pink collar crime hashtag no one steals to save so the money's gone (laughs) It's in a casino, it's in a motorhome, it's in a, you know, 
a bunch of Olive Garden dinners instead of McDonald's dinners. So it's lifestyle. Um, I like to pride myself on empathy and kindness. And you wouldn't hear that from most investigators. They're going to say, you did it. Mm -hmm. Tell me. And I'm going to say, let's talk about what's going on in your life. Tell me what made you write that first check. Now, empathy with the victim. I also say I'm a fraud therapist and I'm not a therapist, but like I'm cheaper to cry on my shoulders than the attorney's (laughs) shoulders. So, and for some reason, I don't know, the clients end up liking me better than their attorneys. Imagine that. Um, I'm a little snarky today, (laughs) but uh, they have to understand that this is a traumatic, as a victim who gets stolen from by a trusted employee, it is a very life-changing traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. You don't trust. You second guess every business decision Mm -hmm. because you've been ripped off. Um, And I'm going to help them recover from it. Now, it's not going to be the money because it's gone. I mean, you might be lucky if you have insurance, which master of the universe dude had insurance and he got all the money back and they even paid me and he didn't even have to pay me. Um, But it's the, it's the trust. It's the second guessing. All of that is really, really harmful to a person's psyche. Now, I don't know if you know know this, but Mark Cuban was embezzled by a pink collar criminal. His first business he did after he had his MBA. Uh-huh. And he said, I did everything I learned in my MBA program. I, I wrote the checks out. I signed the checks. All I did, and I think her name was Renee. I'm not 100% sure. I think her name was Renee. He handed the checks to Renee, and he says, mail them. Well, Renee got out the whiteout, and she whited them all out. He had $84,000, and I think she stole eighty two. dollars or, or stole 80. She, he left, he was left with two or $4,000. Oh, said it was the best thing that ever happened to him because it would never happen again. So some of these clients that I've had, I'm like, you know, you are in the, just in the darkest days you are probably going to have, you will come out the other side. You will be a better business owner. Mm-hmm. I promise you things will work out better. There's a woman who was ripped off a half a million dollars and it's a crazy long story, but I'll make it short. Um, they went to a client who was a billionaire with a B like Mark Cuban. Yeah. And they laid their soul and said, we've been taken advantage of, we've been ripped off. And he's like, huh, that happened to me too. And he's like, I'm going to give you a loan. Mind you, it wasn't a free loan. No. <laughs> and, you know, it was lawyered up to kingdom come because that's how he became a billionaire. And so he saved them. But the thing he did is all of a sudden he started referring this business to all of his billionaire friends. And guess what? They're making more money than they know what to do with now. Oh my gosh. So it doesn't always work out for the best. I had a woman who stole $250,000 from six urologists and she's now a waitress. She says she's never been happier. She just wasn't ever happy when she was working because she was stealing. Yeah. It has to be stressful. It has to be not comfortable. Oh, they're physically sick when they get caught. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 
good place. So you talk quite a bit about embezzlement and how to spot red flags. How do you think technology can help investigators in this case? Yeah, so data analytics and like writing a check. Okay, so like this is the thing. A business pays all their vendors on day 25. Let's say they're generous and pay them on day 25. Mm-hmm. There's this brand new vendor and the brand new vendor has the same zip code as the office manager and gets paid on day five. And that check is cut on weekends. No other checks are cut on weekends. So like literally you dump it into a pivot table with (laughs) days of the week, you know, or times like all the checks are between eight and five. And this check is cut at 8 PM at night. Like, you know, that's where data just like literally just, it's a flashing light. Jump at you. you there might be a reason for it, mm-hmm. but when you can see those little flashing lights, right. you don't have to dig for them. They are literally flashing lights. Right. Right. And I agree. Data, and data analytics does that for us. Yeah. It's amazing what you can pull, like even the littlest things, like the time they wrote the check or even the location. Yeah. Why is this person going, you know, this person going to a bunch of different bank locations in their county? No one does that, right? You go to the same one every day or every time. Um, yeah. So exactly. And, and data analytics can show you that, right? Really fast, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. So um, have you kind of uh, been – well, I've been hearing a lot about these Pandora papers. Have you been kind of reading about those with these um, political figures and these famous artists that are, like, uh, tied to it? What do you think, what role do accountants, investigators, uh, could they have to limiting future occurrences like this? You know, this is like, uh, everyone thinks money is just the tally and everyone wants more money or they want to hide it from the government, their ex-wife, their, you know, their kids, their whatever. And I, I don't want to say money is the root of all evil because money does a lot of really good things. But money is a scorecard. Money is power. And until the society begins to hold the people, I don't want to say accountable, but like, I mean, you know, is there shame in tax avoidance or tax evasion? Like, you know, there's a big difference there. And there was a politician, not saying the name, is like, I'm just too smart to pay taxes. No, you're not. Like, and I don't think, and again, this is going to come back to those lawyers, those (laughs) lawyers that work to the lawyers who are working with the bankers to make these, you know, offshore accounts and stuff like that. I want people to have a job that makes things good and legal. And I can't remember. And I'm like looking on my board here. Um, I had this term, uh, what is it? it? It it can be it can be legal but not ethical. Oh, there's like this great term that I just heard someone say, and it's like just because it's legal, oh, just because it's lawful doesn't mean it's not awful. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, we have to look in the mirror and see a decent person. Yeah. But unfortunately, this goes back to not every criminal looks like a criminal. Right. Not every good person that looks like a good person is a bad per- or is good. Like there right. are some people who look really good out there who are really terrible, awful people. 
Right. Like, so you can't just take someone and, you know, well, they drive, you know, a Tesla, they have five houses that whatever. Um, we have to dig a little deeper. Yeah. I agree. You have to choose who you want to associate yourself with. But unfortunately, I think our whole world is just kind of about the money. Like how much money can we take from someone? I don't know. I, or I hide just, or yeah. 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 So I don't know. I just um, had to reread the big short by Michael Lewis. And I also rewatched the movie. It's like my all time favorite. <laughs> and, um, there's um, a saying and it's in my, I put it on the back of my stationery for 15,000 years, fraud has never, ever worked. And it, it's much more eloquent than that. And I should have my stationery here, but it is like, it's a great saying. And right. it's like, you eventually get caught. You do. You know, eventually. Forget all that. And it's right. like, so I should, I should see, I think it's in one of my quotes in my book. I put quotes <laughs> at the beginning of every chapter. And um, I'm pretty sure that is one of my quotes because so this is another great quote, fraud, and this is from the guy, one of the founders of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. Okay. Fraud is not an accounting problem. It's a social phenomenon. And it is because it people is. commit fraud. Right. The accounts don't commit fraud. The no. people make the accounts that commit fraud. Yes. There's always something behind it. And yeah. So, so based on your experience, what advice would you give to other professionals just entering this domain? Always be curious, ABC, always be curious. Um, my dad used to call it being Snoopy. I'm like, I prefer the term curious. <laughs> um, reach out. Again, yeah. you, you have to reach out. And with that, eventually, you're going to be the person that someone reaches out to pay it forward. And don't forget who helped you. Like, I just had a Good woman advice. colleague today who just posted a position anyone would be lucky to work with her. So I reshared it on LinkedIn. I commented on it, like help. There is, this is a really funny thing and I'm going to keep it vague. There's an association that um, just did the top 20 customer service speakers. Three of them were women, only three. The top, top 20, there's only three. Service speakers in the world only three are women. I, I said to my husband, honey, when's the last time you called customer service? And he's like, never. <laughs> I, I, I was like, so this goes to women need to speak out when they can add to the conversation. Don't be afraid. Like those, those three women, they are fantastic. And those three women, I want them to pull other women along. I right. pulled guys along all the time, obviously, but like it is, would I have picked up the phone 30 plus years ago? If it was a guy who had called me, I don't know if I would have, I honestly, I probably would have just because again, I'm Snoopy, but, um, (laughs) it was easy for me to call her and I'm still really good friends with her. And we worked together for, you know, years. Um, would I have called if it was a, guy special agent I don't know I've never really thought of it that way but it was easier for me to pick up the phone because it was a woman so pay it forward that's great that's great that's great advice and I think that's what that's what really I think drew me to your podcast 
and um, a lot of your work because you do uplift everyone, including women, and put a different perspective out there that I've never seen before, right? So we're so excited to have you on. Um, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll um, meet in person or we kind of run into each other at a, these fraud conferences. So Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. It's you know, hashtag you. sharing is caring. <laughs> Perfect. Bye. Bye-bye.